Welcome to the Stories from Southwest Virginia podcast. I'm your host, Chad Thompson, and today we're continuing our Round the Mountain Artisan Interviews with Miss Addie Davis. She's a writer and also a member of Round the Mountain, and she had some wonderful stories to tell, talking about her work and her life and how she got involved with writing and Round the Mountain and how she creates her special pieces. Her pieces of work can be found at the Southwest Virginia Cultural Center and Marketplace in Abingdon, as well as other locations that we'll mention throughout this episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this story. Well, yeah, I, I, I guess we could jump into some, some writing here, and, and I, was, I was looking at some of the uh, uh, books you'd written, and I guess the first question would be for everybody, if you just want to kind of give everybody a little uh, a backstory about, you know, how you got involved with writing and, and kind of what some of your, your influences were for that. Well, I was the, the last of ten children, and unless people have are trained yet, maybe haven't even thought about it. But in large families, <coughs> excuse me, children, but they, they get buddies. And there was 10, but a, one of my mother's earliest children were twins, and one of them died, so that left nine. And I happened to be the odd man out. So <laughs> I, I pretty well <laughs> was alone. There was a lot of age difference, and I was by myself until my mother's father came to stay with us, and he was really old. But he became my constant companion, and he, he, he used the Bible. We didn't have a lot of books in our house, but uh, we did have a Bible with large print, and he used the Bible to show me each letter and how to make it. And I, we didn't even have paper, but he'd tear up a 25-pound flower bag it's purple on the inside, or it was back then. And he used to straighten it out and used that for me to write on. So that's where I learned to write my letters, even how to spell my name. I could do all that before I went to school. But then as soon as I started putting words together, I started writing poems. And, and I had a poem about the beaches of Normandy. I was six, I think, when that happened. And I was concerned enough. My brother was in the war, and I was concerned. And I was, I wrote a poem about that. I wrote a poem about talking to a frog, telling, them, telling the frog how long I was. But all of that early writing, Mommy accidentally burned it. She, she oh, was no. going to clean the house because we'd moved to California. And uh, my husband wanted to come back. So I called Mom and told her we were coming home. And she went out and cleaned the house, and she found all of my early writing in an old brown suitcase, and she thought it was just trash, so she burned it. So that early writing is gone, but then I started, I was a school teacher, and I started writing little plays and little skits for kids to do, working on a school paper. And I, I did some kind of writing all the time. And I, I sent a story when I was about 13. I sent a story to Reader's Digest, and of course they wanted a reading fee, and I didn't have any money, so that fell by the way. And then um, the first book, I, I took a writing class, a Bay Area writing project that came to McDowell County, and uh, oh, there was about 16 people took it. 
and I wrote there, but I was writing monologues, and that led to developing an oral history theater, which ran for about six years. And I had people from 18 years old through 79 performing on stage. Then the first book, I guess, that I published was Here I Am Again, Lord. And I went to this man's house and recorded everything he said because some people at an Appalachian Studies group said, why don't you write about that religion? Because there's very little known about it. And I didn't think I could, but I I woke one morning about 6 o'clock and said, why don't you ask Landon Holly? And I asked him, and at first he said, no, honey, we don't do that. So I said, okay. But about three months later, he said, well, yes, I guess we can. So my husband and I would go to his house, sometimes by myself, and we'd sit down and talk to him. And he, I met, he was the most honest, the nicest old man I'd ever met. And yet, and he was a preacher in that faith. But uh, he could also, just like all humans, he, he was quick to get upset and then just as quick to not, you know. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, what the Bible says, be angry and sin not. That's, he would get angry about things, but he didn't put it into action and then think of that sort. But he was a really, really nice old man. I'm so feel honored that I got to know him. Then I did a series of school workbooks, grades one, two, and three, and they sold well until a lady in the State Department of Education, who was over procurement, she uh, turned my books down, and I guess the word leaked out, so the schools didn't buy them after that. Hmm. So I gave those to the Russell County School System. I think there's about fifty-four thousand dollars. <laughs> Anyway, I was glad that children could use them. Then I started writing that a series. Now, I write series now. The, I call it the Lucinda Harmon Saga, and that's Lucinda's Mountain, Jason's Journey, the Beckoning Hills, and Farther Along. I started out at calling that a trilogy because I only intended to write three books. So when people read the Beckoning Hills, I can't recall exactly, but it was between either 138 or 168 emails asking wow. me to write a fourth book. And I called my publisher, which was Mountain State Press at the time, and he said, write that book. <laughs> so I did, and honestly, in the I guess in the back of my mind, the doctor in that series, that one of the characters, was my husband. And I wrote about his death, and I, Chad, I honestly did not know I was writing it, but it was... Wow. I was sitting and writing in tears running down my face. It was killing me. And he came, it was three years before he died, and he said, what is wrong? And I said, this is killing me. He said, well, don't do it. I said, no, I have to do it. But that was the most amazing thing. But anyway, um, that that's the first series, and it sells on Amazon, and my books sell well if I could get them out before the public. Then um, I did start, I call it the Fatal Series. There's three books, and then there was the spinoff when I added the fourth called A Fatal Beginning. And it's set in Beckley, West Virginia, Mullins and Beckley. And it's from, well, when I started in economic development after I retired from teaching, 
I thought the mountains were so pure and innocent. I never dreamed that a small town like we had over there could be so corrupt. But working six years there, I found out again politics is such a corrupting influence. And so uh, that's what started that series. And um, then I wanted to do a Nancy Drew-type mystery series, and I did the first book and have worked on the second book. Hmm. But then I get, got started on children's books, and the new book that's coming out is called Raylan's Heart, and it'll be out. Hmm. Which I haven't taken it to Vicki Fletcher, who does publishing for me. But uh, I have everything ready to take to her. Well, that's that's excellent. I I was actually looking here in in the Fatal uh, Love series. Uh, I I recall photographing those when we first started working on the Round the Mountain website and trying to get more products on it. I think that was in the first or second round of products that I photographed, and I, I remember the the pictures on those books is what really caught my attention because uh, it just reminds me so much of the area and, and, and I was curious as to where some of those locations were. The the first one there with the farmhouse, uh, that just well, looks so uh, familiar that house to me. It's over really I, I wanted a picture of a house over Twin Falls State Park mm-hmm. in Pineville in Malming County, West Virginia. But I couldn't get over there. But I need I knew I needed a farmhouse. So my friend said, Well, she had a picture of her farmhouse down on Dry Branch in Russell. County. Okay, and that's where that is. I thought it it looked familiar. I don't know if I've seen that exact one, but uh, just kind of with the the rocks in the ground there, it kind of reminds me of when you're driving from uh, Route 19 from Abingdon over towards Lebanon. How there's that big farm field well, it, with all the it, rocks. The drive Ranch is if, if you go down Route 80 a little ways and then turn back left-handed, you go to to a place called Dry Branch. I've been to the place, and there's a little cemetery up on the hill. But, of course, none of the family lives there now. Some, maybe a distant relative, I don't know, but uh, the immediate family is all grown up, and maybe most of them are dead. Hmm. Now, on the, the, the previous series there, I, I notice it's got a, a, a completely different artwork for those covers. Was that, that done was by a, a local artist? That was, uh, that was uh, Rhonda Whited. She was uh, she's the artist, and she worked up at Southwest Virginia Community College. And I paid those original paintings. The backs of those books are. Hmm. Yeah, those are but now the pieces. last one isn't the the last one that has this man woman their back. That's my grandson and his wife because I wanted them walking towards sunset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like the the artwork on those, and then I'm partial to the photography on the others. And and you said that now you're kind of working on some more of the uh, children's books. Uh, well, are, I'm I'm finishing up on uh, the second book on the, that fatal beginning. Okay. I, it, it, there's two books in that. The first book is finished, and I'm on page 196, and it it's almost finished. But then. Something happened in this children's book. Uh, I'm in in my church. We it's an old fashioned church and all that, but it preaches love. And I saw 
we were having communion service because once a year we wash feet and have communion. And this little girl, I'd, I'd never seen a, tr- a child react the way she did. And uh, her grandmother brings her to church all the time, and it just got to me. And I thought, probably I could use her so that that part of our history won't be won't be forgotten that I can tell the story of that communion through that child's eyes. And that's what I tried to do. Hmm. I like that and, and, and passing on. And that's, that's been a theme that I've spoke with uh, musicians and, and artists and, and now writers and all kinds of different backgrounds. And that's become a theme is, is, is passing on, on these traditions. Uh, a lot of them seem to be, forgotten but there's there's so many people out there that are working hard to to keep a lot of these ideas alone from woodworking to uh dancing uh was something i'd never even thought about but the the way that we we dance in 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 the area is is a art form that there's so many younger generations trying to keep it alive and and i appreciate that oh yeah i mean used to be the only dancing i knew anything about was what they call flat foot Flat foot, and yep. Some people were so good at it. And um, I know I tried, but then my sister always told me because somehow they thought exercise was wrong, I guess. But she mm. would run and say, Mommy, she's out there trying to dance. <laughs> <laughs> but I still did it. I just tried to hide from her. <laughs> I- I grew up in a family real centric around music and, and bluegrass in particular. And, and so I got to see a lot of that, the, the flat footing and, and even just everything was an instrument. There, there was nothing untouchable. I remember my dad and a few others playing the spoons. They'd, they'd go get my grandmother's good spoons out of the, out of the kitchen and start playing and having a great time. And, and she, she'd be getting on to them about getting the good spoons and want them to get the, the normal ones to, to do their. <laughs> They're clanking around you know, with. That made me think about it, and I had forgotten it. My, we had, I don't know what kind of pail it was, but a, like a, a gallon pail that was made out of, I guess it was made out of aluminum, but it was really thin. And um, we didn't have any guitars or anything at our house. But I, they said, uh, they call me in when companies come and say, come and play some uh, music. And I played music on the bottom of that bucket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember the old washboards and, and running like a stick across those. Yeah. I don't know. It was a certain way I was, I was plucking it or hitting it with my hand, I imagine. But I remember doing it really well, and I remember them wanting to showcase this idiot child that could get out there and play a bucket. <laughs> well, I've seen them take the buckets. Now, you might have done this, too. Uh, they'll they'll put a hole in the bucket big enough for maybe like a, a, a broom handle to go in and tie a string on the side of it, and then when they tie the string on it, they would use that to pluck and almost make a guitar out of it that way. Well, I, this was just, I didn't have a lid on it, and I just held it under my left arm and plucked it with certain ways and that's the only one I ever found that would resonate like that so I did that and uh, but Lord I'd forgotten all about it and my sister that died this year she was said well 
how did you do that? And I said, Lord, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> but I remember doing it. it uh, but now my husband, he played banjo, and my sons, my children are very musically talented. They never did anything with it, but they all My husband wouldn't go out and play in public. He was really shy about it, but he was good. He could play 12 hammer or regular banjo. But my boys played, they uh, they played uh, rock music, you know. And uh, my daughter had a wonderful scholarship in voice, and she was really good, but she had to have her thyroid removed, so she her voice was not as good as it once was. That's it, It's great to see how innovative we could be here in the region and and I don't I don't want to get too much off the topic of of your books and into the music even though I could I could I could sit here and talk about these old stories all day uh um is that kind of how you find some of your inspiration in your stories is is based off of like these life events and and just things that you've seen and learned throughout time uh I think most writers do. I think every book that we put out has a little bit of ourselves in it. But none of my books are really a, a biography. I've tried to keep the history and all that as accurate as I could make it. And um, tried to create characters that people like. And so far I've been blessed because I usually liked most of my characters and people say, which book do you like the best? And I said, well, at the time I was writing Lucinda's story, I really liked her the bit better than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I started on Hannah Horn's story, I liked her better than anybody. So <laughs> you have to, but now, if you see a book there that has a little girl with a red scarf around her head, it's called The Fatal Beginning. That little girl is I'm finishing up on her story. That little girl will absolutely tear you up because she is the story, the life she lived. And what it is, is that what the Bible says with patience, you possess your soul. She had to be patient and live through so much and overcame it and was at, in the top echelons of this. I'll definitely have to read those. Uh, now, is it better to read the the original trilogy first and then go into the Fatal Beginning? Well, I tell you what happened. How that came out in the second book in the Fatal Web of Deceit, there was a murder trial, and this woman named Margie Meadows was put on the witness stand, and she got so upset that she revealed a secret that she kept all of her life, and. When everybody read that, they said, oh, tell us Marjorie's story. Tell us Marjorie's mm. story. So that's, that's how that came about. That's excellent. Well, I'll definitely have to look into those. And, and I know prior to us talking today, you'd mentioned there was a couple of uh, uh, an artisan guild and a, and a writer's group oh, that you'd like yes, to mention. Yes, There's Appalachian Authors Guild, which I'm a part of, and also Lost State Writers that they usually, they're out of Tennessee mostly, but uh, they meet a lot of times in Bristol and used to be, uh, we'd meet at uh, Shawnee's at Exit 5 in Bristol. I don't know what they're going to do this year, but I hope that. And then Virginia Writers is statewide, 
and I just won. They have a golden nib contest, and I just won second place on a nonfiction piece. Well, that's excellent. Congratulations for that. Well, I was surprised, but I don't submit stuff. I wish I did, but I don't. I mean, I I just don't submit. Maybe I'm afraid of... I've, I've won a few times. Actually, I guess I won... Uh, for a short story or a monologue in one of West Virginia writers' um, anthologies. And I guess maybe that sort of gave me incentive to go ahead and start those that play group because we, we told the stories of the people, you know. Oh, that's excellent. Really, I, I think that kind of writing helped you to write your stories because you go inside your head and you have two people talking to each other. And uh, it helps you, and especially in dialogue, and writing dialogue. I think that was always one of the hardest parts for me. I always kind of had a, a small little goal inside of me that I've always wanted to write a book or, or a, just a story, whether it's a short story or a full-length book. And I think the farthest I ever made it was about 60 or 70 pages. And then I, I just never finished it. And then I got to a point where I, I just didn't like what I'd written anymore. And I think I just got rid of it altogether. And, and I, I wish I could go back in time and stop myself from doing that because making it as far as I did was a good enough accomplishment. I just oh, didn't yeah, see it at the time. Right. Uh, sometimes I have, well, and one of my books, I tried to give this woman some characteristics. I wanted to, she was a really awful person. I wanted to give her some characteristics, but it wouldn't make her look so awful. But I honestly couldn't. I would start writing and it just, it just didn't come out. I just could not make her a likable person. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know, but uh, I'm, I'm also, <clears throat> I have the house drawn at least. I try to dabble in painting and stuff like that too, but the house I grew up in, I have drawn, I've drawn it, but I had the perspective off and Ellen Elms has, has tried to straighten me out on it, and I believe I have it, but I'm going to write the story of my life, and it's the house, the observer from the house on the end of the ridge. And because I was, I was the observer in the family. I saw all the funny things and tragic things, everything that happened. I sat back and watched it and formed my own opinions, you know. I'm all too familiar with that. I feel like I was, I was that family member growing up as a kid, all the, all the gatherings. I just, I, instead of engaging in all the activities, I kind of more sit back and just watched and, 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 well, and took account of what was going on. I didn't have a buddy in the family, and so I, I just watched. Usually they'd say, yeah, here, you little dummy, you don't know what you're doing. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't really want to be called that, so I just got out of the way. That's right. I can I can relate to that as well. Everybody else seemed to have, have that, that buddy system, like you said, and everybody was all paired up, and... I, a lot of yeah, times feeling the, singled out, you just kind of sit back and watch. That that's the. I must say, I was I got a master's degree as a counselor, and that's what I was the last eight years. I was in the school system, 
and they say birth order really hmm. helps to decide a person's personality. Wow. And so I think it's true because I know I never called myself an observer until just not too long ago. I was thinking about a title for that book, and I thought, hmm, I wasn't a part of that. I was just observing it. And so that's, that's where the title came from. That's a that's a great way to 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 look at it. I never would have thought about it that way there myself. And I guess uh, I know you said you had an appointment to go to here in a little while, so I don't want to keep you for too much longer. I was just curious if there's anything else you'd like to say to everybody out there. I know I'll be sure to put the, all the links to what we've talked about, your books, and I see you've got a website there where people can go and find the books on Amazon. And we also have copies of them down at the Southwest Virginia Cultural Center and Marketplace in Abingdon. We'd be more than happy to showcase them to anybody oh. listening down there as well. Well, I, a lot of the people in the area have my books. Oh, and I forgot, too, there's the, what is it, Blue, Blue Stone Writers, I believe it is. Anyway, I want something in that. And uh, Blue Ridge Writers. Real, I met a really nice man through talking to him like I am you. Um, but... Uh, he does a good job, and he's, I think he volunteers and did a lot of work on that. And I I wanted to buy one of the copies of the books, and I guess it's in the offing. I will buy it, but I haven't yet. I forgot what. I, I don't know which one. is. It, I sent off some stories. Um, but anyway, I, I just wanted to say <clears throat> a writer is not worth anything unless they have readers. And my people that read my books have been so generous. And I've made some friends that even call me and keep in contact. The lady over at Glade Springs, like Laura Hensley. B, um, B and Joe, my goodness. Her last name, hell, I'm getting old. It's gone out of my head. But she called me just not long ago. A lady over in Welch called, when did I have another book? And uh, I've had people call me from Charleston. And from Kingsport. So, you know, it's it's that kind of thing that you think, Lord, you've helped me to touch so many lives. And yet some people will get back to you and let you know. And that, you know, and, and I really appreciate that. Because if I've got a, another gift besides writing, it's I really do love people. People are just wonderful. There's a lot more good in all these That's great. I'm I'm glad you've been able to connect with so many, and I think that's what makes the things we do in life so so great and so important is is those connections we can make along the way. I know my ears perked up when you said Glade Spring. That's actually where I'm calling you from today. So it was nice to hear that you got some readers here in my little town. And well, and I have, and um, that they're just well, all the people in the writers group they teach. They treat me so well. I, I am, sometimes I'm amazed. Because, I mean, growing up as the observer, you don't have a really good self-image. And there's people that are so good to me. I mean, my friend Linda Hoagland, who is also a writer, Vicki Fletcher, my publisher, Sylvia Nichols, uh, uh, Stacey Schroenberger, just, well, 
I just can't name all of them. Elizabeth Champagne. All those people, they, they treat me as if, well, they love me, I guess, because they are so exceptionally good to me. And I appreciate it so much. Well, that's great to hear it. I'm, I'm sure if they get to listen into this episode when it comes out that they'll they'll be happy to hear all that as well and, and, and keep paying it forward. So thank you so much for speaking with me today. I, I really enjoyed our conversations going going down some memory lanes and hearing more about what it is that you write. And now I'm now I'm all on board and excited to jump into these. I think the uh, the Fatal Love series might be where I might make my start. Well, I, I hope you do, and I, I wish you'd let me know if you enjoyed them. I or do. if you don't, then that only makes me a better writer. <laughs> well, I'll definitely let you know. I'll, I'll I'll pick one up down at the cultural center when I'm down there here in the next couple of days, and I'll uh, I'll be sure to let you know what I thought about it. All right, thank you so much, Mr. Thompson, and it's Chad, isn't it? You can call me Chad. Yeah, I don't. You don't have to call and, me Mister if you don't want to. And I'm Addie, so okay, that's good. <laughs> My writing name is Adelia, but everybody. My grandfather called me Addie, and I knew he loved me, so I love Addie, too. I like the name better. <laughs> I like Addie. That's a pretty one. I've got a, a cousin, his his daughter. She's about five years old. Her name's Addie, so that'll be easy for me to remember. Okay, thank you. <laughs> hope we get to meet sometime, and thank you so much. Well, thank you, and I hope we get to meet as well, and you stay safe, and have a Merry Christmas if I don't talk to you before then. <laughs> 